out for just one minute. Stand up. We're just going to celebrate for one second. And just, hey, lift your voices. Just thank God for what he did. Turn to someone as you're seated and just say, I made it. I believe this year has been chosen by God for all of us here in this family to be a part of a great, great awakening. I believe that he is awakening us to our calling, that every person has been called, has been anointed to be a world changer and to see great things happen wherever we go. We are on the earth for a reason. We are here to take dominion over the darkness. We're here to take dominion over defeat and discouragement and to stand up with confidence and knowing who we are. The Bible says that each of us have been called conquerors. And in fact, the Bible says more than conquerors. We are overwhelmingly victorious. Like the final score of a basketball game, 142 to 2, the opposition worked hard, but they were no match for the victors. We are overwhelmingly victorious. I have been sharing this uh, series called Shelf Life, and we've been talking about taking things down from the shelf that give us life and not letting them expire. Today, we're going to take off the shelf perseverance. And I'd like you to say that word, perseverance. perseverance. Say it a little louder. I'd like you to open your Bible to James chapter 1, and we welcome, we have hundreds and hundreds from around the world that are watching online, uh, so we welcome you uh, as a part of this 11 o'clock service in Orlando. Verse number 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. In verse number four, let's read it out loud, please. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature. It's interesting that the word perseverance Hupomone actually means to remain under 
And it is the picture of someone that is holding up something, a weight, and they refuse to let go. Now, we're reminded that our strength is from the Lord, but we do the lifting. And here, we are given this insight of what to do when we're in a fray. When we are in a trial, when we're facing a mountain before us, when we're facing opposition and things are tough. And the Bible says that in the situation, there is the emergence of joy because we realize what is happening to us. In the midst of our battle, we are becoming people of perseverance. So we do not quit, we do not give up, we do not give in, and we are people that have a stance in Jesus, and we are getting stronger and stronger because of the opposition we face. Hallelujah. Remember, perseverance is not a gift. It is a strength that we develop. How do we begin in this battle? And we begin, first of all, by having faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about the things we cannot see. Faith has to do with our future. Faith has to do with things that we cannot see with our eyes. Faith gives us insight to have the eyes of God to look from his stance regarding what he's trying to do in the trial, in the situation, and we may be fighting, but God has a plan. We have to have faith. Faith is not in our mind, it's in our hearts. And constantly, we need to say over and over, faith comes. Faith comes in this room today. Faith comes when we hear the word of God. Not what the news reporter says. Not what all the stuff that's happening around our country, faith comes. Say it with me, faith comes. Faith comes, you have a different perspective and you see differently. When you walk around, you begin to speak things that be not. If it exists, you don't need to literally declare birth to it, it's already there. So I said last time, there was a time when this land was here, we had no buildings, we had little money, we had nothing, and we were crazy, and we walked around, and we just saw what we believed God wanted to do, and we said it, and we got on stages and kept saying it, and people heard it, 
and people had faith, and the church always goes forward when people are intoxicated with faith. They say the opposite of what exists. They say what God says. They stand on the promises of God. They will not relent. They will not stop. They will not back up. They will face their Goliath, and they will speak to their Goliath, and they are not intimidated by someone coming against them in the name of Jesus. They take their stance. Now, the Bible says here, however, that in the middle of your battle, you're not really just fighting whatever you're fighting. In the center, in the midst of that, is your faith. Your faith is tested. All of us know about tests. Are there any students or anyone going to school? Raise your hand. How many are familiar with tests? No one, okay. You don't, your teacher doesn't come to you and say, oh, do you know this? Absolutely. Have you studied this? Absolutely. Fine. I'll give you an A. No. They give you a test to see what you know. And you never know what you know until you're tested. And you, and you don't know how much faith you have until you're tested. And you may walk away there and say, wow, I do have faith. I knocked out the enemy. And by the way, Andrea just graduated with a master's in business administration with a major in project. Stand up, stand up. Come on, give her a nice thank you. How many have children? Would you raise your hand? You are being tested. <laughs> every day. In every way. So one of the big deals in whatever you're in is the fact that your faith is being tested. And how we respond is crucial. Where, will we respond our way or the Jesus way? Will I do what is right or will I take a shortcut or will I win the battle in my strength and if I do it in my strength, then when it's done, you say, look at me. But if you're dependent on the Lord, and you're on your knees, and you're praying, and you're fighting, and I always love it when I feel weak, because I know when I feel weak, I'm going to be strong. And we all need to always sense that we're weak and dependent on God, that if he doesn't come through in my battle, I'm going down. And we become so dependent on him that we take our stance. 
And we cry out to God, God, help me. Take out this enemy in the name of Jesus. Take down this barrier. Knock down this wall. And you walk around your house, and you begin to pray and seek God, and you get in your small group, and you gather people around you that will war with you, and you are on your knees, and you sense in yourself you are the weakest person there is. And when you are weak, the Bible says you are strong. And when the battle is won, there's no tendency to say, how great I am. No, we begin to say, Jesus you are great. You won the battle. You won the victory. Hallelujah. Now, in the battle, we have to be careful. We guard, according to Proverbs 4, 23, we have to guard our hearts above all else because it determines the destination and direction and the course of our lives. There are three major points, and that is we have to keep our hearts clean. We have to keep our hearts full of faith. And we have to keep loving Jesus passionately. So as we're pushing through, there's more of him and less of us. All of us in this room, we know that evil is on the rise wherever you go. Social media, Facebook, wherever you're tweeting, whatever you're doing, Instagram, our movies, television. We were in a movie a couple years ago. They were speaking the four-letter word, which was not love, over and over. And I elbowed Judy, and I said, we're out of here, and we walked out of the theater. If you haven't walked out of a theater, try it. They'll give you your money back. Everything around us is showing signs of the adversary and his darkness. So if you are a parent, you are in the fight for your kids. And you, if you're not having a lot of fighting in your home, you may be conceding to what they want. Because you're going to raise kids, you're going to be in a fight because they're out there in the culture and they're telling you what to do. Don't try to make the peace. You cause an eruption, a volcano that, bless God, this is what we do. I hear parents say, well, I don't want to force my kids to go to school, to go to church, and I, don't, I want them to make a choice. You're crazy. I don't, I, you don't feel like going to school. Well, <laughs> just stay home here for a week or a month. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, 
I'm not saying about being religious or mean-spirited. I'm talking about with a soft voice and loads of grace. Billy, <laughs> we go to church, get in the car. Getting off my notes here, ladies and gentlemen. You don't get your kids in the youth. I watched it for decades. Here's parents. I watch them. I watch them. Well, we're in the, we're, we're in the, we're in the sports, 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 sports. Never get in the youth, ever. And I'll watch them when they're 21. And a lot of them have no desire for God. You better be in contact with Pastor PJ and Pastor Mark, and call them, text them about your kid, and you better get him here on Wednesday night if you have to call an Uber for them. If you'd have seen what happened over there Wednesday night with those hundreds of kids over there, and they're worshiping God, just, just throwing them in that mix of that whole thing will wash them from the darkness of one day in school. We know that we have to be alert and awake to what the enemy is trying to do around us. Parents are in a fight for their kids, and anyone in this room that is single is in a fight for purity. You can rationalize any behavior you want to do, and it means absolutely nothing until you go here and say, what does Jesus say? It's kind of a straight deal in the book. He doesn't grade on the curve. I once was taking a course <clears throat> at the University of Maryland, five credits in math. <clears throat> I still have nightmares from that course. So hard. And the teacher graded on a curve, and I remember one test, 60, was an A. God's not grading that way. It's like right, wrong, good, bad. But I'm in love! Stay pure. I love you! Stay pure. Very quiet. So, what I was saying here. So, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, and this is about the end times, and Revelation chapter 19 talks about Jesus coming back to earth with the believers, and it's preceded by a seven year tribulation. And as we approach that period of time. Hear the rain? The evil begins to increase. And as the evil begins to increase, the Bible says in verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, this is at the end time, the love of most will grow cold 
but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So the wickedness will become so great around us that what happens is the influence of the world without us knowing it, we listen to it, people talk, we're in circles, we're on social media, and you hear all those things, and without knowing it, it rubs off on your spiritual life, and very subtly, quietly, your passion and your spiritual kick gets diminished, and slowly, you then move from a heart that's passionate to behavior modification. So externally, you're doing good things, and now you're religious, denying the power and life of Christ. Doesn't happen in an hour. It's very slow. Be very careful who your close friends are. Why back on the youth. If you don't get your kids with Christians, it's not a matter of a question are they going to make it? They are at risk. Like walking across the street in the darkness at night on a major highway, they are at risk because evil is rubbing off on us. A few weeks ago, I was at the gym. Are you all still here? A couple weeks ago, I was at the gym and uh, had finished my swimming, and I came out. I was in the locker room, and the sinks were there, and there were two men that were working. They were repairing the wall, and they were also painting, and I kind of slipped between the two guys and got in and, and um, got out okay, and so on my walk to the car... I was putting everything in the car, my bag, and when I, when I put my uh, cap on, uh, I, noticed, I noticed that I didn't think I came near the paint, but actually I did. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a cool design. And then, you know, being a preacher, uh, you think spiritually sometimes. I thought, that's just how it is. The Holy Spirit said, that's just how it is with the world. It rubs off on you, and you don't even know it. Because I didn't, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You get around people who are swearing all the time, you'll be swearing before you know it. You get around somebody that's angry all the time, you start getting angry. You get around people that are mean-spirited, after a while you'll, you'll become mean-spirited, if you're not careful. And that's why we have to be very careful. I've always said this, I want to be extremely careful who I give access to in my life. If they're out there 100 miles, that's cool. But when I sit down at lunch, when I bring 
whatever, anybody on our team here, I'm not, I'm not looking for people who are just smart. I'm looking for people who are spiritual. They're going to affect me to be more like Jesus because they have access to me. I have access to them. And the Bible says in the very last days that wickedness will increase. I personally believe we're living in the last days. I personally believe that Jesus could come at any time. And we should be looking for his return. And we should be walking a very tender, sensitive life, full of faith, changing cities, turning campuses around, a bright light wherever we are, affecting every individual we see, never going into a restaurant to eat only, go into a restaurant to say, the light's going to shine in here, I'm the light, Matthew 5, 14. Our daughter Jackie had a birthday this last week, we were in a restaurant, I had my health drink, Rest, the waitress came up, we're talking, laughing, asked her name, her name was Macala, and we're talking, we're having fun, Michaela. I'm walking out of the restaurant, I go by her, and the Lord says, turn around. I turn around, and there's Michaela. I started to talk to her, and I'm having this happen now where I, I have insight on people's lives sometimes, and I said, Michaela, I see hopelessness all over you. Michaela, you're wondering, and I'm just talking. This isn't a big restaurant. People are away. She is bawling, and she's, you know how women go, they go, she's going... She's going, tears are coming down, prayed with her. We don't go to a restaurant to eat only. We don't leave here. People are perishing, and they need to know that Jesus is love. Jesus is forgiveness. The Bible says, in the next verse, it says, verse 14, read it aloud with me. And this gospel, verse 14 of Matthew 24, and this gospel. Okay. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony. In the time ahead, there will not be an empty seat in this room. In the days ahead, Church in the Sun will experience a great awakening in concert with that verse of Jesus. That only happens when every single person begins to be a living Jesus. And stop being intimidated by people, things, and places, and be radical. There are, there are too many believers who have been tamed by Christianity. 
You are too nice, and you are too silent, and you are incognito, and you need to speak up because you have a lot to say, and you have a lot to do for Christ, and he wants you to rise up. He wants me to rise up. I don't know. We missed the whole thing on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We missed that whole thing. We thought it was to pray in another language and, and get powerful. That's preparatory. The end purpose is to be a witness. That's not the end. <laughs> That's preparatory. You know what? That's like I'm in my study hours and I all day Thursday, 11, and I'm up Saturday and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm working on it. And then I don't come out and actually speak it. And we've got to rise up. We've got to rise up and, and be encouraged and go out and be a witness. It was 2012, and I had gone to a, a convention, an incredible Assembly of God conference, and there were about Twelve to 15,000 people there. And I sat in the back, and the speaker was Dick Brogdon, and I didn't even know his name, but as I sat there, I was so moved with his courage as he told story after story of how he had almost been killed working with the Muslims in the Middle East. I came back uh, to the office, and I called them, and I said, I'd like him to come. I didn't know who he was or very much about him, and they said, well, he's booked for many, many years. I said, well, put us on the list, uh, and I'd like him to come if it's 10 years or whatever. And uh, some months ago, he called, and he said, yeah, I got an opening here. I can come. And so... You just saw a little clip of him, and he's going to be here next weekend. Uh, he's, he's not normal. Uh, his main deal is not speaking, it's living it. And he lives his, he speaks his life. But he's not a speaker to be a speaker. He's radical, he's revolutionary, and he will shake the slack and coldness out of us. He started the movement, Live Dead, Live Dead movement. It says, we are to die to self and live through Christ. From there we get his passion for the world, his strength, his vision, and our marching orders. He'll be here next weekend. He's flying in and he's going to fly out. The story that kind of shook me up was, as I read about him, that on one day when he was in the Muslim countries there, he was on a bridge and he was getting all these Muslims together to tell them about Jesus and for them to come to faith in Christ. And the crowd grew and grew. And then he said, if you all will listen to my message about the gospel, I'll jump off the bridge. Well, of course the crowd got larger and larger and larger. And he shared the gospel with them. And then he went over to the bridge 
And he jumped off the bridge, and it was 100 feet down in shark-infested waters. I don't think I want to be too close to this man. <laughs> and he did it twice. And it's that kind of a person that says, one soul is worth a life. I need people to shake me up. You need people to shake you up. You need somebody that's a few steps ahead of you. I need people that are a few steps ahead of me. And as we together join in sharing the gospel, we will no longer be a part of a nice church. We'll no longer be a part of a sitting church, a watching church. But we will be a part of an organic congregation and that we're part of something that shakes the city. How is it? How is it that national leaders years ago said, we want to start a new Jesus movement? And they gather in a room, and they're trying to decide where to go in the United States of America. None of them are from here. And all these national leaders are in a prayer meeting, and every one of them said, we have to go to the city of Orlando. They're not from here. They're not personally going to gain from being here. But the heavens opened up and said, we want there to be a splitting of the atmosphere in a city where Disney is, where Universal is. Where a couple hundred million people come here every year. So when we hear about this radical evangelist, Jeff, and his wife, Rachel, they didn't just pass by here. They left Hawaii, and they came here, and all of the leadership is here, and we said, set up. Set up your camp here. Set this place up as your headquarters. And so we have the radicals that are coming in here from the nations of the world. And they're not coming for something nice. They're not coming for another meeting. They're not coming so that they can get everybody blessed. This is not called the call. It's called the send because they are believing as 60,000 believers come together, they will be commissioned, they will be commissioned, they will be commissioned, and they will decide, I, I have a send on my life. I, 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 can't, I can't eat pancakes for breakfast and not talk to Michaela. I can't, I can't go in the gym and lift weights every week and work out and not talk about Jesus. You can't be incognito. That's why we're going to, we're going to see 60,000 people in the Camping World Stadium. And how many have registered? 50,000 50, have registered. And you need to sign up and register today. We want every person, every, every child, every young person, we want everyone to be there because when we go there, God is in it 
And when God is in it, something's going to happen to us. And we will be sent by the Lord into our area. And this year, this church will double. I declare it in the name of Jesus after this thing. We're going to double. We're going to double. We have decided in the midst of all this to make this Missions Week which focus, which ties exactly into what is happening here. This is about the nations of the world. Here, Dick Brogdon, who, what, eight years ago, I asked him to come, and seven years ago, now he says, I can come, and these, these big leaders decide years ago, Orlando is there, and then these two radicals show up, and I feel impressed. I don't even know who they are hardly. And I said, you come and you speak in the middle of this deal on the 6th. Then we're going to anoint Austin, and we're going to anoint Jonathan, and we're going to have a kick and rally here on that day. And then when you came, we had this. Anyone didn't receive one of those? Everybody have one? Everybody have one? Just wave it. How many don't have one? Okay, a lot don't have one, ushers. Get ready, not now. But what we're going to do is we're, we're going to ask the Lord. Everybody does something above their, their regular ties. And if it's every young person, something every, every month. If it's $5, if it's 50 cents, or it's $100, whatever it is. And we have hundreds of this, these. And I was with Brother Crandall last night on the phone, and I remember him at the table. He said, Alex, we got to believe for $500,000 in missions every year in this church. Sure. Amen. So we're going to receive those promises in February, and they're going to be on... Anyway, sometimes in February, I think it's the 17th and the 24th, and we're going to say, yes, count me in, souls. I'm going to get my, my youth at 17. Yes, yes. I'm going to get them on a missions trip. I'm going to get them out of here. We got both of our kids out of here, out of the country, before they graduated from high school. Get your, you got problems with them? Send them to another nation. Send them away for a short-term mission trip. The Bible says the whole, the earth, Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. The Bible says in Haggai 2.9 that the glory of the present house will be greater than the, the the house before that, the former house. And what is that talking about? In other words, what God was doing under the days of yesterday, he's going to do more. He's going to do more. And it's amazing when he begins to talk about this, he talks about the glory of God because you can't put your fingers on the glory of God. But you know that when the glory of God and the presence of God is around you, you know that you are in awe and you know that you are out of who you are and out of your problems and you know that he begins to work in your life and the fire goes up and you come into your circumstances and you have a perseverance. You have a perseverance and you're not going to quit and you're not going to stop. You're not going to give in. You're not going to stop. You're going to fight. No, as my mother said, 
I didn't bring any of my children into the world to go to hell. And Alex, you're not going to be the first one. And my mom prayed in day and night for all our kids, and they're all headed to heaven. One's there now. We're all headed to heaven because my mom said, you're not going to, Satan, you're not going to have my kid. So if your kid's on drugs, don't you give up. You press in. You, you take authority over it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want us to stand. No one leaves. Stand up. Stand up. Everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody, no one leave. No one leave. No one leave. Please don't disrupt what the Spirit of God is doing. In Jesus' name. Say it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Heaven come down. 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 Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Hit it. Hallelujah. Yes.
sometimes it's in that quiet moment while we're alone with the Lord, while we're standing here, God whispers to us and he says, I'm with you. Quietly whispers to us, don't give up now. Sometimes we need the embrace of Jesus where we feel his love. Even we feel we don't deserve it. And I sense there are some here today you have battle fatigue. So much battle fronts on all sides. And you need the Lord just to today carry you and to say to you, I have you in my arms and I'm not going to drop you. And you've been doing your best and I've seen your perseverance and now just rest and I'm going to do my part and I'm going to take care of you because his promise still stands that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. His promise still stands that he is for us and not against us. The promise still stands that he calls us in our weakness, you are a conqueror. When the odds are against you, you are a conqueror. When you don't see a way through the next day, like Lewis, his wife died, he has five kids, I think of him a lot. I read a lot of the prayer requests that are turned in, pretty tough situations. And I think the Lord now just wants to say, I'm a shepherd to you, I'm a pastor to you, and I'm encouraging you, even though you've been fighting hard and long. He says, listen, don't give up. Don't give up. He's saying, enter into the rest, enter into the peace. And he says, let me comfort you. That song comes to mind, great is thy faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. No matter what we're facing, I like you fight many battles. You maybe look up there and say, that Alex guy, I wish I had an easy life like him. We all look at each other's life like that. I fight battles like you do. I fight discouragement. I fight, am I doing a good job? Am I communicating effectively? And we all need the encouragement of the Lord. And I think he's saying this to you. You're doing a good job. Don't give. Don't run. Don't run now. Great is your faithfulness. I said in the other service, sometimes when I don't feel anything, or at other times, I just like lift my hand this morning. 
I was like this. Last week at the gym, I had both hands. I was listening to worship, and there was a girl watching me, and she had that look like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Sometimes, don't feel anything. You're overwhelmed, and you just lift a hand up. And you think, Jesus, you've been good to me. You've been good to me. I don't feel anything now, but you've been good to me. Can you sing that song, Greatest Life? Does anybody know that? We're playing it, okay. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Try to lift a hand. That's all right. Try to lift. If you can't put it up, that's all right. Something about God is great. Great. Hallelujah. Just lift a hand in faith. Hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. You are great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I lift my hand. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I glorify your name, Lord. Come on, lift a voice. Lift a voice. I praise you. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. Be encouraged. Jesus is here. Hallelujah. I praise you, Lord.
No. We never end our meeting without giving our friends an opportunity to be forgiven. When we built this building, we wanted to be sure we had a cross because it reminds us of what Christ did for us. We never can take that without being really understanding what Christ did, that he took our sins. He took our sickness. He took, literally broke the powers of darkness over our lives. And all that he, all that he says, if you want forgiveness, you just ask me. I'll do it. And knowing so many have gone the wrong way and we've all made bad decisions, we all have regrets, but when we have gone down the wrong road and the road is dark and we have left what is right, Christ says, you don't have to run to me, I'm right where you are. And the beginning is we lift our hands and we say, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? I want to give my life to you. In just a moment, we're going to count to three, all the way in the balcony, last row up there, wherever you are. And you say, listen, just pray for me. I, I need to be forgiven. And I can tell you the magnificent grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will make you a brand new person because it will be a new heart he will give you and your life will be different. So I want to count the three if that's you. Maybe you're like disconnected. You used to really be with Jesus and you just, there are a couple people here, you're actually in the work of God and you just got off. And to you, the Lord says, I haven't given up on you and he's beckoning you back so I count to three if that's you just throw up your hand and say Jesus put it up one two three put it up all over the building put it up put it up yes put it up put it up put it up put it up just say yes Jesus I need to be forgiven I'm going to ask those that raised your hand to walk the aisle and just stand right here and say Jesus, here I am. You come from the balcony and come all the way down and just stand here in Jesus' name. You come right now. Continue that song, all the earth. Come on. Yes.
know there are a lot of people that need to come today, and we are breaking the hold of every person that is being held captive by the enemy, and we release you to come and give your life to Christ. We break down the strongholds over your life. Whatever the stronghold is, I want every believer to pray right now in the name of Jesus. The life of every person is on the stake that doesn't know Christ, and we release the power of Jesus in this room for salvation, for people to be made whole in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. We're waiting, we're waiting. Turn to the person next to you, ask them if they need Jesus. If they do, walk down the aisle with them. Turn to them, turn to them, it's okay, it's okay. Come on, you need Jesus, we're gonna keep just singing. We're just gonna keep singing, keep singing. Keep seeing all the earth. Jesus, come to Jesus. Those that are watching online, this is your moment. You can receive Christ no matter where you are, what country, or down the street here in Orlando. You're not beyond the grip of God's love. And those that have come, we're going to say a prayer here. If you didn't come, pray the prayer where you are. I'll be in the lobby afterward. You come up. Let me know about your commitment to Christ. And then we're going to pray this prayer. Pastor Dave is here. You'll slip to the side right afterward. And your declaration in baptism will be a next step. So let's pray this prayer. Jesus, Jesus I, put my faith in you I put my faith in you that you took my sin on the cross. On the cross. I, confess I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. 
and that he is alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace and the gift of righteousness and eternal life. If you prayed that prayer, you're in the family of God. Come on, let's get it.